Chapter 2 of Aunt Jo's Scrap Bag. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lisa Myers. Aunt Jo's Scrap Bag by Louisa May Alcott. Chapter 2. Tessa's Surprise. Part 1. Little Tessa sat alone by the fire, waiting for her father to come home from work. The children were fast asleep, all four in the big bed behind the curtain. The wind blew hard outside, and the snow beat on the window panes. The room was large, and the fire so small and feeble that it didn't half warm the little bare toes peeping out of the old shoes on the hearth. Tessa's father was an Italian plaster worker, very poor but kind and honest. The mother had died not long ago, and left twelve-year-old Tessa to take care of the little children. She tried to be very wise and motherly, and worked for them like any little woman, but it was so hard to keep the small bodies warm and fed, and the small souls good and happy, that poor Tessa was often at her wit's end. She always waited for her father, no matter how tired she was, so that he might find his supper warm, a bit of fire, and a loving little face to welcome him. Tessa thought over her troubles at these quiet times, and made her plans, for her father left things to her a good deal, and she had no friends but Tomo, the harp boy upstairs, and the lively cricket who lived in the chimney. Tonight her face was very sober, and her pretty brown eyes were very thoughtful as she stared at the fire and knit her brows as if perplexed. She was not thinking of her old shoes, nor the empty closet, nor the boy's ragged clothes. Just then, no, she had a fine plan in her good little head and was trying to discover how she could carry it out. You see, Christmas was coming in a week, and she had set her heart on putting something in the children's stockings, as the mother used to do. For while she lived, things were comfortable. Now Tessa had not a penny in the world and didn't know how to get one, for all the father's earnings had to go for food, fire, and rent. If only there were fairies! Ah, how heavenly that would be, for then I should tell them all I wish, and pop, behold the fine things in my lap, said Tessa to herself. I must earn the money, and there is no one to give it to me, and I cannot beg. But what can I do, so small and stupid and shy as I am? I must find some way to give the little ones a nice Christmas. I must, I must, I must. Tessa pulled her long hair as if that would help her think, but it didn't, and her heart got heavier and heavier, for it did seem hard that in a great city full of fine things there should be no one for poor Nono, Sep, and little Speranza. Just as Tessa's tears began to tumble off her eyelashes onto her brown cheeks, the cricket began to chirp. Of course, he didn't say a word, but it really did seem as if he answered her question, almost as well as a fairy, for before he had piped a dozen shrill notes, an idea popped into Tessa's head. Such a truly splendid idea that she clapped her hands and burst out laughing. I'll do it, I'll do it, if father will let me, she said to herself, smiling and nodding at the fire. Tama will like to have me go with him and sing while he plays his harp in the streets. I know many songs and may get money if I am not frightened, for people throw pennies to other little girls who only play the tambourine. Yes, I will try, and then, if I do well, the little ones shall have a merry Christmas." So full of her plan was Tessa that she ran upstairs at once and asked Tomo if he would take her with him on the morrow. Her friend was very delighted, for he thought Tessa's songs very sweet and was sure she would get money if she tried. But see then, it is cold in the streets. The wind bites and the snow freezes one's fingers. The day is very long. People are cross, and at night one is ready to die with weariness. Thou art so small, Tessa, and I'm afraid it will go badly with thee, said Tomo who was a merry black-eyed boy of fourteen with the kindest heart in the world under his old jacket. I do not mind cold and wet and cross people if I can get the pennies, answered Tessa, feeling very brave with such a friend to help her. She thanked Tomo and ran away to get ready, for she felt sure her father would not refuse her anything. 
She sewed up the holes in her shoes as well as she could, for she had much of that sort of cobbling to do. She mended her only gown and laid ready the old hood and shawl which had been her mother's. Then she washed out little Ronza's frock and put it to dry, because she would not be able to do it the next day. She set the table and got things ready for breakfast, for Tama went out early and must not be kept waiting for her. She longed to make the beds and dress the children overnight. She was in such a hurry to have all in order. But as that could not be, she sat down again and tried over all the songs she knew. Six pretty ones were chosen, and she sang away with all her heart in a fresh little voice so sweetly that the children smiled in their sleep, and her father's tired voice brightened as he entered, for Tessa was his cheery cricket on the hearth. When she had told her plan, Peter Benari shook his head and thought it would never do. But Tessa begged so hard, he consented at last that she should try it for one week and sent her to bed the happiest little girl in New York. Next morning the sun shone, but the cold wind blew, and the snow lay thick in the streets. As soon as her father was gone, Tessa flew about and put everything in nice order, telling the children she was going out for the day, and they were to mind Tumbo's mother, who would see about the fire and the dinner. For the good woman loved Tessa, and entered into her little plans with all her heart. Nono and Giuseppe, or Sepp as they called him, wondered what she was going away for, and little Ranza cried as being left. But Tessa told them they would know all about it in a week, and have a fine time if they were good. So they kissed her all around and let her go. Poor Tessa's heart beat fast as she trudged away with Tamo, who slung his harp over his shoulder and gave her his hand. It was rather a dirty hand, but so kind that Tessa clung to it and kept looking up at the friendly brown face for encouragement. We go first to the cafe, where many French and Italians eat breakfast. They like my music and often give me sips of hot coffee, which I like much. You too shall have the sips, and perhaps the pennies, for these people are greatly kind, said Tamo leading her into a large smoky place where many people sat at little tables eating and drinking. See now, have no fear, give them Bella Monica. That is merry and will make the laugh, whispered Tomo, tuning his harp. For a moment Tessa felt so frightened that she wanted to run away, but she remembered the empty stockings at home and the fine plan, and she resolved not to give up. One fat old Frenchman nodded to her, and it seemed to help her very much, for she began to sing before she thought, and that was the hardest part of it. Her voice trembled, and her cheeks grew redder and redder as she went on, but she kept her eyes fixed on her old shoes, and so got through without breaking down, which was very nice. The people laughed, for the song was merry, and the fat man smiled and nodded again. This gave her courage to try another, and she sang better and better each time, for Tomo played his best and kept whispering to her, Yes, we go well. This is fine. They will give the money and the blessed coffee. So they did, for when the little concert was over, Several men put pennies in the cap Tessa offered, and the fat man took her on his knee and ordered a mug of coffee and some bread and butter for them both. This quite won her heart, and when they left the café, she kissed her hand to the old Frenchman and said to her friend, How kind they are! I like this very much, and now it is not hard. But Tomo shook his curly head and answered soberly, Yes, I took you there first, for they love music and are of our country, but up among the great houses we shall not always do well. The people there are busy or hard or idle, and there can nothing for harps and songs. Do not skip and laugh so too soon, for the day is long, and we have but twelve pennies yet. Tessa walked more quietly and rubbed her cold hands, feeling that the world was a very big place, and wondering how the children got on at home without the little mother. Till noon they did not earn very much, for everyone seemed in a hurry, and the noise of many sleigh bells drowned the music. Slowly they made their way up the great squares where the big houses were, with fine ladies and pretty children at the windows. Here Tessa sung all her best songs, and Tomo played as fast as his fingers could fly, 
but it was too cold to have the windows open, so the pretty children could not listen long, and the ladies tossed out a little money and soon went back to their own affairs. All the afternoon the two friends wandered about, singing and playing and gathering up their small harvest. At dusk they went home, Tessa so hoarse she could hardly speak, and so tired she fell asleep over her supper. But she had made half a dollar, for Tomo divided the money fairly, and she felt rich with her share. The other days were very much like this. Sometimes they made more, sometimes less. But Tomo always went halves, and Tessa kept on, in spite of cold and weariness, for her plans grew as her earnings increased, and now she hoped to get useful things instead of candy and toys alone. The day before Christmas she made herself as tidy as she could, for she hoped to earn a good deal. She tied a bright scarlet handkerchief over the old hood, and the brilliant color set off her brown cheeks and bright eyes, as well as the pretty black braids of her hair. Tomo's mother lent her a pair of boots so big that they turned up at the toes, but there were no holes in them, and Tessa felt quite elegant in whole boots. Her hands were covered with chilblains, for she had no mittens, but she had put them under her shawl and shuffled merrily away in her big boots, feeling so glad that the week was over, and nearly three dollars safe in her pocket. How gay the streets were that day, how brisk everyone was, and how bright the faces looked as people trotted about with big baskets, holly wreaths, and young evergreens going to blossom into splendid Christmas trees. If I could have a tree for the children, I'd never want anything again, but I can't, so I'll fill the socks all full and be happy, said Tessa, as she looked wistfully into the gay stores and saw the heavy baskets go by. Who knows what may happen if we do well, returned Tomo nodding wisely, for he had planned as well as Tessa, and kept chuckling over it as he trudged through the mud. They did not do well somehow, for everyone seemed so full of their own affairs that they could not stop to listen, even to Bella Monica, but bustled away to spend their money in turkey, toys, and trees. In the afternoon it began to rain, and poor Tessa's heart to fail her, for the big boots tired her feet, and the cold wind made her hands ache, and the rain spoilt the fine red handkerchief. Even Tomo looked sober and didn't whistle as he walked, for he also was disappointed, and his plan looked rather doubtful. The pennies came in so slowly. We'll try one more street and then go home. Thou art so tired, little one. Come, let me wipe thy face and give me thy hand here in my jacket pocket. There it will be as warm as any kitten, and kind Tomo brushed away the drops, which were not all rain, from Tessa's cheeks, tucked the poor hand into his ragged pocket, and led her carefully along the slippery streets, for the boots nearly tripped her up. Part 2 At the first house, a cross old gentleman flapped his newspaper at them. At the second, a young gentleman and lady were so busy talking that they never turned their heads, and at the third, a servant came out and told them to go away, because someone was sick. At the fourth, some people let them sing all their songs and gave nothing. The next three houses were empty, and the last of all showed not a single face as they looked up anxiously. It was so cold, so dark and discouraging, that Tessa couldn't help one sob, and as he glanced down at the little red nose and wet figure beside him, Tomo gave his harp an angry thump and said something very fierce in Italian. They were just going to turn away, but they didn't, for that angry thump happened to be the best thing they could have done. All of a sudden a little head appeared at the window as if the sound had brought it, then another and another, till there were five, of all heights and colors, and five eager faces peeped out, smiling and nodding to the two below. "'Sing, Tessa, sing! Quick, quick!' cried Tomo, twanging away with all his might and showing his white teeth as he smiled back at the little gentlefolk. "'Bless us! How Tessa did tune up at that! She chirped away like a real bird, forgetting all about the tears on her cheeks, 
the ache in her hands and the heaviness in her heart. The children laughed and clapped their hands and cried, More, more, sing another little girl, please do. And away they went, piping and playing, till Tessa's breath was gone and Tomo's stout fingers tingled well. Mama says, Come to the door. It's too muddy to throw the money into the street, cried out a kindly child's voice as Tessa held up the old cap with beseeching eyes. Up the wide stone steps went the street musicians, and the whole flock came running down to give a handful of silver and ask all sorts of questions. Tessa felt so grateful that, without waiting for Tomo, she sang her sweetest little song all alone. It was about a lost lamb, and her heart was in the song. Therefore she sang it well, so well that a pretty young lady came down to listen and stood watching the bright-eyed girl, who looked about her as she sang, evidently enjoying the light and warmth of the fine hall, and the sight of the lovely children with their gay dresses, shining hair, and dainty shoes. "'You have a charming voice, child. Who taught you to sing?' asked the young lady kindly. "'My mother. She is dead now, but I do not forget,' answered Tessa in her pretty broken English. "'I wish she could sing at our tree, since Bella is ill,' cried one of the children, peeping through the banisters. "'She is not fair enough to be the angel, and too large to go up in the tree, but she sings sweetly, and looks as if she would like to see a tree,' said the young lady. "'Oh, so much!' exclaimed Tessa, adding eagerly. "'My sister Ranza is small and pretty as a baby angel. "'She could sit up in the fine tree, and I could sing for her from my, under the table.' "'Sit down and warm yourself, and tell me about Ranza,' said the kind elder sister, "'who liked the confiding little girl in spite of her shabby clothes.' "'So Tessa sat down and dried the big boots over the furnace and told her the story, "'while Tamo stood modestly in the background, and the children listened with faces full of interest.' "'Oh, Rose, let us see the little girl, and if she will do, let us have her, "'and Tessa can learn our song, and it will be splendid,' cried the biggest boy, "'who, who sat astride of a chair and stared at the harp with round eyes. "'I'll ask Mamma," said Rose, and away she went into the dining-room close by. "'As the door opened, Tessa saw what looked to her like a fairy feast, "'all silver mugs and flowery plates and oranges and nuts and rosy wine and tall glass pitchers.' and smoking dishes that smelt so deliciously she could not restrain a little sniff of satisfaction. "'Are you hungry?' asked the boy in a grand tone. "'Yes, sir,' meekly answered Tessa. "'I say, Mama, she wants something to eat. Can I give her an orange?' called the boy, prancing away into the splendid room, quite like a fairy prince, Tessa thought. A plump motherly lady came out and looked at Tessa, asked a few questions, and then told her to come tomorrow with Ranza, and they would see what could be done. Tessa clapped her hands for joy. She didn't mind the chilblains now, and Tamo played a lively march. She was so pleased. "'Will you come, too, and bring your harp? You shall be paid, and shall have something from the tree likewise,' said the motherly lady, who liked what Tessa gratefully told about his kindness to her. "'Ah, yes, I shall come with much gladness, and play as never in my life before,' cried Tamo, with a flourish of the old cap that made the children laugh. "'Give these to your brother,' said the fairy prince, stuffing nuts and oranges into Tessa's hands. "'And these to the little girl,' added one of the young princesses, flying out of the dining-room with cakes and rosy apples for Ranza. Tessa didn't know what to say, but her eyes were full, and she just took the mother's white hands in both her grimy ones and kissed it many times in her pretty Italian fashion. The lady understood her and stroked her cheek softly, saying to her elder daughter, "'We must take care of this good little creature.' Freddy, bring me your mittens. These poor hands must be covered. Alice, get your play hood. This handkerchief is all wet. And Maud, bring the old chinchilla tippet. The children ran, and in a minute there were lovely blue mittens on the red hands, a warm hood over the black braids, and a soft pussy round the sore throat. Ah, so kind, so very kind. I have no way to say thank you. But Runza shall be for you a heavenly angel, 
and I will sing my heart out for your tree, cried Tressa, folding the mittens as if she would say a prayer of thankfulness if she knew how. Then they went away, and the pretty children called after them, Come again, Tessa, come again, Tamo. Now the rain didn't seem dismal, the wind cold, nor the way long as they bought their gifts and hurried home, for kind words and sweet magic of charity had changed all the world to them. I think the good spirits who fly about on Christmas Eve to help the loving fillers of little stockings smiled very kindly on Tessa, as she brooded joyfully over the small store of presents that seemed so magnificent to her. All the goodies were divided evenly into three parts and stowed away in Father's three big socks, which hung against the curtain. With her three dollars she had got a pair of shoes for Nono, a knit cap for Sep, and a pair of white stockings for Ranza. To her she also gave the new hood, to Nono the mittens, and to Sep the tippet. Now the dear boys can go out, and my Ranza will be ready for the lady to see in her nice new things, said Tessa, quite sighing with pleasure to see how well the gift looks pinned up beside the bulging stockings, which wouldn't hold them all. The little mother kept nothing for herself but the pleasure of giving everything away, yet I think she was both richer and happier than if she had kept them all. Her father laughed as he had not done since the mother died, when he saw how comically the old curtain had broken out into boots and hoods and stockings and tippets. I wish I had a gold gown and a silver hat for thee, my Tessa, thou art so good. May the saints bless and keep thee always, said Peter Benari tenderly, as he held his little daughter close and gave her the good-night kiss. Tessa felt very rich as she crept under the faded counterpane, feeling as if she had received a lovely gift, and fell happily asleep with Chabiranza in her arms, and the two rough black heads peeping out at the foot of the bed. She dreamed wonderful dreams that night, and woke in the morning to find real wonders before her eyes. She got up early to see if the socks were all right, and there she found the most astonishing sight. Four socks instead of three, and by the fourth pinned out quite elegantly was a little dress, evidently meant for her. A warm woolen dress, all made and actually with bright buttons on it. It nearly took her breath away. So did the new boots on the floor, and the funny long stocking like a gray sausage, with a wooden doll staring out at the top, as if she said politely, A Merry Christmas, ma'am! Tessa screamed and danced in her delight, and up tumbled all the children to scream and dance with her, making a regular carnival on a small scale. Everybody hugged and kissed everybody else, offering sucks of orange, bites of cake, and exchanges of candy. Everyone tried on the new things and pranced about in them like a flock of peacocks. Ranza skipped to and fro airily, dressed in her white socks and the red hood, and the boys promenaded in their little shirts, one with his creaking new shoes and mittens, the other in his gay cap and fine tippet. And Tessa put her dress straight on, feeling that her father's gold gown was not all a joke. In her long stocking she found all sorts of treasures, for Tomo had stuffed it full of queer things and his mother had made gingerbread into every imaginable shape, from fat pigs to full omnibuses. Dear me, what happy little souls they were that morning, and when they were quiet again how like a fairy tale did Tessa's story sound to them. Ronza was quite ready to be an angel, and the boys promised to be marvelously good, if they were only allowed to see the tree at the palace, as they called the great house. Little Ronza was accepted with delight by the kind lady and her children, and Tessa learned the song quite easily. The boys were asked, and after a happy day, the young Italians all returned to play their parts at the fine Christmas party. Mama and Miss Rose drilled them all, and when the folding doors flew open, one rapturous, Oh! arose from the crowd of children gathered to the festival. I assure you it was splendid. The great tree, glittering with lights and gifts, and on her invisible perch up among the green boughs, 
sat the little golden-haired angel, all in white, with downy wings, a shining crown on her head, and the most serene satisfaction in her blue eyes as she stretched her chubby arms to those below and smiled her baby smile at them. Before anyone could speak, a voice as fresh and sweet as a lark sang the Christmas carol so blithely that everyone stood still to hear, and then clapped till the little angel shook on her perch and cried out, Be till our meal fall! How they laughed at that, and what fun they had talking to Aranza, while Miss Rose stripped the tree, for the angel could not resist temptation, and amused herself by eating all the bonbons she could reach, till she was taken down to dance about like a fairy in a white frock and red shoes. Tessa and her friends had many presents. The boys were perfect lambs. Tomo played for the little folks to dance, and everyone said something friendly to the strangers, so they did not feel shy in spite of shabby clothes. It was a happy night, and all their lives they remembered it as something too beautiful and bright to be quite true. Before they went home, the kind mamma told Tessa she should be her friend, and gave her a motherly kiss, which warmed the child's heart and seemed to set a seal upon that promise. It was faithfully kept, for the rich lady had been touched by Tessa's patient struggles and sacrifices, and for many years, thanks to her benevolence, there was no end to Tessa's surprises. End of chapter 2 Recording by Lisa Myers.